It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, folks, and welcome once again to the Locked On Fantasy Hockey Podcast, your daily source for fantasy hockey headlines, takes, and analysis. My name is Ben Burnett. I'm joined by my co-host, Louis Ezekiel. Louis, did you smash the over 15 games before Evgeny Malkin got hurt? <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's usually a pretty easy call, huh? You know, with Malkin, I, it's always something. And uh, these little things that start out, you know, kind of tend to snowball. Right. And so, Lewis, this is actually where I want to start the episode tonight. We are going to play a game in a little bit, and we are going to chat about the fantasy hockey headlines that are making ways today. We actually had a show planned that we had to basically reschedule around a couple of big pieces of news that came out today. Um, just before we get going, though, we are the Locked On Fantasy Hockey Podcast. As I mentioned off the top, we are the daily source for fantasy hockey headlines, takes, and advice. We are brought to you by the Locked On Sports Podcast Network. You can follow us at LO underscore fantasy NHL, and I hope that you do. So, Lewis, uh, as we mentioned, Evgeny Malkin injured for, I would say, at least a month based on the reports that I've heard. Long term is the is the verbiage used by uh, Coach Mike. Mike Sullivan. Let me ask you this, Lewis, what is the fantasy fallout for uh, players in the wake of this Evgeny Malkin injury? Uh, So it means a few things for fantasy, uh, especially for those of us who have Penguins players. Uh, To start out with sort of the obvious um, Matt Murray owners, it is a bit of a concern because this shows some weakness down the middle. Uh, Now for the Penguins, especially, it sounds like Nick Bugstad is also out uh, week to week. Um, so a little concerned definitely about my Matt Murray shares here, uh, since he is someone that I'm really relying on, uh, to, to find some success this year and rebound a little bit. Uh, certainly also painful for the Penguins power play. Although now we may get a chance to see Alex Galchenyuk, uh, make that top power play and hopefully provide some scoring, uh, you know, like he was brought into the organization to do so as something of a reclamation project. So that would be really cool if we could see uh, Galchenyuk uh, make up some of these points that we've always been waiting for him uh, to score. Yeah, I would say with, Al- uh, with Alex Galchenyuk, I'm probably holding right now, waiting to see how practice lines shake out and how the power play ends up shaking out. Um, if he winds up getting really good deployment, then I'm a little bit more interested than, interested than I had been. Brandon Tanev is a fun name too. I mean, two games into the season, but he has nine hits and five blocks already. He may be a guy to park on if you're in a deeper bangers league uh you alluded to a center that's probably going to be taking over for the second line here and that would be jared mccann we talked about him on monday's show lewis how do you feel about jared mccann now that we know the extent of malkin's injury a little better he does appear at least for the time being to be centering that power play too and playing at even strength with galchenyuk and tanov um but you know, I, he's not obviously going to be the offensive driver that Malkin is, right? Jared McCann has 35 points as his career best. And yes, he's only 23, although it seems he's been around in the league forever. Um, but, uh, you know, with this increased time on ice that he's going to have here, if he can take advantage, you know, he can maybe push it to 40, 45, 50. Um, but, you know, that's topping out at around half a Malkin, right? So 
that's got to be of concern, uh, as you say, both for, for Galchenyuk. Um, and even though it's going to be raising McCann's profile, I don't know that it makes me especially excited uh, to go after him. Not when, uh, you know, there are players like uh, Jesper Bratt, Eunice Donskoy, Nick Felino available around the same rates of ownership. I think all of those players uh, are a little more interesting to me. We're talking about players around 6 or 7% owned on Yahoo. Uh, and there are plenty more appealing players who are at 15% owned or less, which means they're almost certainly available in your league. Uh, Ryan Dezingle, Devon Taves, Zach Cassian, uh, Jacob Slavin. These are all players that I would be more interested in picking up than Jared McCann, even with that line to PP2 deployment. Wow. I definitely disagree with you on a lot of those names. Um, I heard Zach Cashin, who I think I'd prefer right now while he's on top line with McDavid and Dreisaitl. And then Ryan Dezingle right now on the de facto power play one in Carolina is definitely interesting to me as a flyer. But um, Jared McCann put up 19 goals last year between Florida and Pittsburgh, and that was with under one minute of power play time on ice per game. Uh, This year, he's up over two minutes. Uh, per game so far it's not that he's going to be with a lights out top power play unit but maybe he does fill in on that spot where you know the rest of us have penciled Galchenyuk in um I it'll be interesting to see I guess I'm just I'm not saying it will be Jared McCann so much as I am saying that we still don't know who that will be but I'm actually pretty into Jared McCann he shoots Andy hits he put up 77 hits last year so you know he's at least contributing to that category and then the extra power play time on ice gives him a little bit more of a ceiling uh at 23 years old I think that we may be able to see a decent player in Jared McCann I'd rather have him than the uh, Devon Taves um Jakob Slavin uh a few of the other players that you mentioned here all right. Uh, so do you think that 45 points is a fair over under, or if we'll call it 45.5, is that a fair spot to put our over under on Jared McCann's or would you want to do 40.5? I'm taking the under either way. Oh my God. If you gave me 40.5, I think I'd take the over. All right. I'll give you 40.5. Let's, let's see if we can remember this one from way back in episode four and we'll see where we end up at the end of the season. If Jared McCann takes off, I'll, tip my hat to you sir you'll move to alberta and we'll record the podcast much easier it'll be great (laughs) um all right lewis moving on kind of a follow-up to a conversation we had yesterday about neil pionk it appears that josh morrissey was back in practice today he missed the game as a precaution honestly shocking that the jets are able to make a defenseman a scratch as a precaution given the lack like the shambles that their defense is in however uh, josh morrissey appears to be healthy that means that neil pionk may or may not continue on power play one if he is not on power play one he is definitely not a must own however uh, i'm still keeping my eye on those lines um it, if he ends up on power play one, then I think that he's a must own in most leagues. Lewis, we're going to head to a break. When we come back, we're going to play a new game that's going to become a central segment on our podcast. I'll see you on the other side. You know, Ben, as fantasy hockey podcasters, if there's two things we can appreciate, it is getting great tickets and getting great value. Uh, Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets to all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice, all in the Vivid Seats app. Even better, the Vivid Seats app automatically enrolls you in the Vivid Seats Reward Loyalty Program. You can earn 10 to 16% credit back on all purchases through the Vivid Seats app. 
Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee from the biggest concerts to the hottest theater shows to the greatest sports events right in your town. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program today and you can make a memory that will last a lifetime. Let Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite line event at a price you can afford. Enter the promo code POSTSEASON at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. What's up, guys? Trey Matthews of Locked On Devils here, and let me tell you about Discover Debit Cash Back. Wings for the game? Boom, cash back. New lucky jersey? Boom, cash back. Even a last-minute ice run could score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cash Back Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's a guaranteed win? Discover Cash Back Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one is a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. All right, folks, we're back. We are going to play a new segment on our show this game is called tilt or no tilt so tilting if you are unfamiliar is a term that we use to describe that feeling of helplessness or anxiety when you're watching that player you left on your bench go off or you know the guy you just traded away because he was underperforming and now suddenly he hits a hot streak that internal gut-wrenching feeling in fantasy sports that is known as a tilt so we are going to talk about five players here and decide whether it's time to start tilting about these uh, fantasy hockey, if not stars, uh, high ceiling players. Lewis, are you ready to play? Well, you know me. I, my default setting is pretty prone to tilting already, so we'll see how I do. Uh, I'm a little nervous. My gut's feeling already. Let's get right into it, though, Lewis. I'm going to ask you about a few players who have underperformed, and it, of course it's early in the season, folks. We are not going to tell you that all of these players are just drops, like get rid of... Uh, whoever we end up mentioning. That is not what we're getting at, but what we are going to talk about is whether our opinion and our analysis of that player has started to change based on the evidence that we've received so far this season. So I'm going to start out with a player that I love to watch and is on one of my favorite hockey teams, the Carolina Hurricanes. I'm talking about Sebastian Ajo. So the Kane superstar has zero points in his first three games. He is at least shooting the puck. He has four, five, and four shots in their three games so far, so averaging over four shots a game. However, what's really kind of putting me on tilt is the way Carolina is using their power play units interchangeably. So on the top unit, we would expect uh, to have Sebastian Ajo. We would have Nino Niederreiter, Nikosh. Um, Jake Gardner is in that spot with them, and Jordan Stahl. However, I was watching the Sunday night game between the Carolina Hurricanes and the Tampa Bay Lightning, and every single power play started with the Dougie Hamilton unit, which includes Tavo Teravainen, Eric Halla, Dezingle, and Svechnikov. Are we worried about the ceiling on Sebastian Ajo, given the deployment that he's seeing so far this season? Are we tilting or not tilting? Well, before I get to my degree of tilt, I have to say when I saw that we're looking at a Sebastian Ajo with nothing showing in the first three games, I thought surely we are talking about the Islander Sebastian Ajo and not my beautiful, fully grown Carolina Hurricanes son, Sebastian. But sadly, we are. 
Uh, I will tell you, I am not tilting over this yet. The way I'm looking at it is he's putting pucks on net. Uh, we're seeing a lot of quality shooting. You know, obviously he's at 0% right now, but that is not going to last. He's going to see some of these pucks start to go in. Uh, I agree with you. It does make me a little nervous that not only are they uh, splitting time between these two power plays so evenly, um, but that it seems to be so effective and that Hamilton power play is putting goals in net. Uh, so that does make me a little bit worried. Uh, especially because why would you change what you are doing when you are Carolina and you do the kind of things that you did to Tampa Bay on Sunday? Uh, they really strangled the Tampa Bay's offensive efforts. And when you're doing that well defensively, uh, it bodes obviously very well for your offensive success. So if I were the Canes, I wouldn't be looking to change things right now. But Ajo has not seen a lot of luck in terms of his shooting. Uh, I think he's going to get back on track. He's got great line mates to play with. I am not tilting on Sebastian Ajo yet. I'm going to disagree just a little. I'm definitely just concerned that if they're willing to split the top power play deployment, then the ceiling comes a little bit lower on Sebastian Ajo, right? Previously, he played 61.5% of Carolina's power play minutes last year if it's closer to 50 percent, i could see that bringing down his power play total um overall though of course he's still you know point per game upside uh i'm just willing to take the ceiling down from maybe my hope of 90 was a little too high and i'm looking more in the 80 to 85 range to repeat on last year's numbers what do you think about that yeah, I mean, I think I've been considering him to be around a point-per-game player. Obviously, you hope that you've got the upside to improve, but he's been really, you know, uh, uh, he's been consistently quality. Uh, and so I would be very happy, especially with the places where I picked him up, uh, to see him repeat on last year would more than pay off the uh, draft pick that I invested in him. So yes, maybe that ceiling is a little lower than uh, a 90-point height, but we're only a couple games in, and what's working now does not necessarily mean it's going to be working five games from now. So, Lewis, tell me this then. If you're not tilting on Sebastian Ajo, are you trying to buy low? Yeah, I think this is a great time to send out feelers. Uh, unfortunately, uh, in one league, I have him already, and that's the one where I think I would be most likely to be able to make a trade. I've got some very cautious uh, GMs in this other league where I am considering him, and I'm not sure I've got the players to make that type of deal. But uh, it could be really interesting if you wanted to throw out a player who is uh, having some success right now, maybe... Uh, an Anthony Mantha offer, potentially. Uh, obviously, someone who's having a ton of early success, um, but probably is shooting unsustainably uh, on the other side of the ledger from Ajo, uh, where I don't think you're going to see Mantha be a point-per-game guy, but having just seen him pour four goals on, uh, that's a player who's got a ton of instant uh, potential value in terms of trade. Yeah, I would especially agree with you in standard leagues that don't count peripheral categories. Mantha has a little bit more uh, upside as a winger who also hits. But yeah, in general, I would obviously rather have Sebastian Ajo. And that is something that uh, might end up being a good offer. Let's move on, Lewis. I want to talk about another player. This is a player in nets. I want to talk about Connor Hellebuck. 
The Jets get two bad starts from both goalies. And what do you think they do? They go back to their backup, Laurent Brossois, and he gets shelled again in Long Island on Sunday. If you're a Hellebuck fan, are you tilting out of your mind right now? All right. Well, I thought I was going to get to keep it together for at least the first couple of players, but no, I am the pinball machine that has been shaken around. My screen is all lit up. Every bumper is going. I am full on tilting here. So the biggest concern that I have when it comes to Connor Hellebuck right now is the deployment possibilities. When you drafted Connor Hellebuck, you were drafting what should have been a volume goaltender. He started so many games two years ago, and then last year when he didn't quite put up the same success, understandably, Paul Maurice looked in other directions. When it comes to Connor Hellebuck, if you're only getting 40, 45 starts on a team that so far looks as though they may actually be a bad defensive team, that's when I start to worry. And so when it comes to Connor Hellebuck, I'm not selling just yet because I think that there's a possibility of better days ahead, but I am super nervous. I'm tilting out of my mind in my keeper league, hoping that he doesn't blow it before I can kind of sell him off for a nicer skater piece. Any sort of player who would have been drafted in the top 50, this is in a league where goaltenders are super scarce and valuable. If I'm in a one-year league, I think I'm just in for a horror ride. You're hoping that you can deal him off to somebody who doesn't pay too close attention. But yeah, it's definitely scary days for Connor Hellebuck owners. Um, I'm going to end up probably having to wait this out. And I hope that the the poise that we saw in 2017-18 can come back for 2019-20. So Ben, I heard you describe the Jets defense as bad, and I feel like that is about as charitable a description as they are going to receive this year. Uh, I don't think any defensive squad in the league could withstand the sort of attrition that the Jets have gone through this offseason. Uh, obviously, with the the big kind of hamstring being uh, the unexpected indecisiveness of Dustin Bufflin about whether he was going to return or not, uh, and to lose the numbers that they have now Morrissey is injured. I mean, it is dire, dire situation uh, in Winnipeg. And, you know, I caught some of the game against the Islanders and it was just pretty darn ugly in terms of the type of shots that were being given up about the types of rebounds that were allowed to bounce right up to players in the slot. I would be very, very nervous about either of these players. You know, they are both highly capable. Hellebuck was extremely sought after, uh, especially in keeper and dynasty leagues as he was coming up. Brassois was one of the best uh, plug-and-play options last year as a streamer with a 925 save percentage in 21 games. But neither of these players is someone that I am looking to to find very much success right here in the beginning of the season, especially if Paul Maurice seems as dedicated as he is to undermining their confidence. Well, Lewis, I think we're going to head to a break. When we come back, we'll get to a few more players in tilt or no tilt. Fantastic. 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, folks, welcome back to the Locked On Fantasy Hockey Podcast with your hosts, Ben and Lewis. Once again, we are your source for fantasy hockey headlines, takes, and advice every single weekday. We are going to head over to NorCal and talk about Tomas Hurdle. So in three games, he has put up zero points. He does have three shots per game, which is nice relative to his average of two last year. And he's got six hits. So at least he's not doing nothing. But the entire San Jose Sharks organization does seem to be doing nothing. They are 0-3 to start the year. They've had struggles in all facets of the game. Are we already tilting about Tomas Hurdle? All right, so I'm going to recover a little bit from my Connor Hellebuck, and I think I'm going to find myself in a place somewhere between my degree of tilt for Aho and Hellebuck, closer to the Aho side. Uh, yes, the Sharks have been pretty ugly out of the gate. I think you could maybe excuse the first couple games against the Vegas Golden Knights. Tensions were very high between these two sides during the preseason. We saw Evander Kane get suspended, perhaps based on his reputation. Uh, over an event involving an official. Uh, it just was pretty nasty. And I think that uh, Vegas was really ready and raring to go against the Sharks in these first couple games. Uh, so I tossed those two out, potentially just chalking it up to early season and emotion. I'm a little more concerned about their outing against the Ducks. Uh, you know, the Ducks are not the same quality of team that we saw from Vegas. Uh, we, you know, saw... Basically, uh, the Ducks more or less had their way uh, in terms of how the game was going. Uh, ended up as a 3-1 loss. Not the sort of thing you want to see against uh, these other California teams that you're going to see so frequently. So that Anaheim loss has me tilting a little bit more. Uh, for what it's worth, we've only seen a goal per game from the Sharks. So there's not a whole lot of opportunities for Hurdle to get involved in this action. I'm not so worried about Hurdle yet in terms of not being able to get in on some points. Uh, like you said, he's shooting. He's going to have his opportunity to score sooner or later, similar to Aho. I'm a little concerned about the way that the Sharks are getting outpaced uh, in terms of offense in the three games that they've played so far. Uh, but Hurdle's got a great spot. You know, Sooner or later, the Sharks are going to figure out their offense a little bit. They have probably the strongest offensive blue line in the league. There are other great players on there. They've got a lot to sort out uh, after this last offseason where they've seen a lot of changes in the top six. So I think it will get settled down. I think Hurdle will be in a nice spot when it uh, when the dust settles. Uh, and I'm anticipating uh, a bounce back for Hurdle here. Yeah, that's the that's the long and short of it is the whole team is struggling. Only two Sharks forwards are over 50% expected goals for based on the natural stat trick. There are better days ahead for the Sharks forwards. Let me run you through this, though, Lewis. If you think about the three games that the Sharks have played, they faced Marc-Andre Fleury, Marc-Andre Fleury, 
and John Gibson. That's a pretty tough schedule for goal scorers. It's kind of understandable that they've struggled to score, even though, you know, additionally, it is an issue of of actual shot production and scoring chance production. So my my recommendations for all sharks is to hold, 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 hold. And if you can buy, 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 I am trying to get on that Tomas hurdle bandwagon if possible, because locked into top power play unit with some elite skaters and first line usage on an excellent team. So if you can get your hands on some of that, uh, some of the higher end sharks right now for a reduced cost, I am doing it. The next player that I want to discuss the bangers league, God, Jamie Ben, who so far this season has been demoted even further than we thought possible. He's been playing with Dennis Garyanov. He's been playing all throughout the lineup. So I'm just wondering, are you at all concerned about Jamie Ben this early in the NHL season? So just the same that I was having some tilt concerns with Eric Stahl, um, but Ben is having a similar issue, except instead of kind of a steady low minute rate, we've been seeing declining rates each game. Uh, He started out at 20 minutes against Boston and then has had multi-minute reductions uh, each game since, Uh, 16 minutes and then 14 minutes. Uh, There's got to be a floor here somewhere. I can't imagine it gets much lower than 14 minutes in a game, Um, but I'm a little nervous about finding out where that floor is. Uh, He has still been spending some significant time with Sagan, um, but you would hope that maybe uh, he could get two quality line mates uh, between Sagan, Radilov, Pavelski. Um, but as you say, he's been with Gurianov uh, for, for quite a bit of it. Uh, and Sagan's still up there getting between 19.30 and 22.30 time on ice a night. So he's getting minutes where Ben is not out there. Um, so that certainly has me a little bit concerned. I will say I've been kind of waiting for the floor to fall out from under him for a couple years. Uh, I've been holding him as a keeper and I finally offloaded him, uh, this off season, you know, obviously he's got the kind of style of play that can grind a body down and he is, you know, getting into the twilight of his prime here. Um, what I worry about is that sometime before too much longer are those 55 point seasons, uh, the type of which he endured last year, are they going to become the norm, not the exception, you know, and this, we're talking about a former Art Ross winner. Yeah. And so what I'm mostly concerned about is just seeing the power play usage from their game against the Red Wings on Sunday. We had Pavelski, Radulov, Klingberg, Sagan, and Radic Faxa as the top unit. And Jamie Benn kind of heading up a secondary unit along with Rupe Hintz and Miro Heiskanen, Essa Lindell, and Justin Dowling. He's a banger. He's going to wear down faster than other players his age. So Jamie Benn, I'm definitely not I'm definitely tilting if I was hoping for 70 points and banger upside. I think that 55-60 is what I'm hoping for at this point and anything higher and I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, So there's some quality play on that power play too, but obviously you want to be out there uh, with the ones if you're going to be successful. I think the strange thing, Lewis, is looking at this list and thinking that Jamie Benn might be the third best player that could jump up on that top unit, right? Like, Rupe Hintz has been a wrecking ball this season. Miro Heiskanen is a very dynamic playmaker. I'm not sure that Jamie Benn would be my first choice to push up onto that top unit. Yeah, it's a tough look for our guy. So if you are a Jamie Benn owner, are you selling or are you holding? 
Well, I hate to sell uh, at a discount. You know, I don't know that Jamie Benn is going to have much uh, lower value than right now at three games in, no points, five shots, and two hits. Uh, that doesn't do a whole lot for me. So I think you got to hold right now because you're not going to be able to get anything remotely close to to what his perceived value typically is. So, you know, let him find his groove a little bit. Uh, get on the score sheet there. You know, sooner or later, he's going to have a three or four point game that'll get his averages up to sort of where you want to see him. Maybe that's when you start thinking about shopping him around. We are at a time for today. I really appreciate you spending the time chatting with me. For myself, Ben Burnett, I'm signing out. Lewis, you want to sign us off here? All right. And we are looking forward to being in your ears each and every day, helping you to win that day in fantasy hockey. And please subscribe, download, let us know what you think. Uh, get in touch with us on Twitter at LO underscore fantasy NHL. Let us know what you'd like to see on the show. Ask us your questions. We'd love to answer them on Twitter and on the show itself. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.